Okay, well, we're on the last leg of this review through Matthew, the, the second half of Matthew. Today we'll be reviewing six chapters, and uh, we'll probably spend extensive time on chapter 24 for good reason. So let's start in, in chapter 23. Um, <clears throat> what were some things that the Pharisees did that warranted Jesus' scathing rebuke of them? What are some of the things, what are some characteristics they had? Heavy burdens. And they wouldn't do what? Yeah, they wouldn't lift a finger. Yeah, that's right. That's right, to help them. What were you going to say, Brother John? Yeah, adding to the law. Yeah. Making man-made traditions which nullify the word of God. Or make it of no effect. What else? Was a basic hypocrisy of it all. I mean, they put out the outward appearance of holiness, mm-hmm. but inside they were just dead. Mm-hmm. Now, I ask you this: If if, if uh, these people were these Pharisees, these religious leaders, if they were predestined to be this way, or if they had no choice but to be this way. Does Jesus' rebuke make any sense at all? Would it be fair or just for Jesus to give such a scathing rebuke if they were predestined to be this way or they couldn't help it? Wouldn't make any sense. Or if he caused it. Yeah, if he, well, that's, that's basically what it predestined. He had to cause it. Uh, it'd be like uh, taking a dog on top of a 10-story building and kicking it off and tell it to fly. I mean, what's worse than that because the dog would just die. But sinners will go to hell forever. So you have to multiply that by infinity to see how bad it is. Okay? What were some... Uh, now, when, we, when I talked about Matthew 23, <clears throat> I gave uh, ten the Ten Commandments of the hypocritical religion. Do you remember any of those? Didn't take any notes on that one? Okay. Uh, number one was say but don't do. They say but they don't do. Um, they make this is what John just brought up. They make traditions or preferences into absolute truth. Now you don't. I mean, if I if I put this this question on the test next week, you're not have to, have to give it to me word for word. If you give me the general concept, that's what really matters. Is what it's going to boil down to. Uh, they want people to see their religious activities. That's one of the most important things for them. They want people to see it. Uh, they want honor and glory for themselves instead of God. They want. They basically want to be God. They want the honor and glory that only he deserves. They're zealous for converting people to their traditions instead of to the word of God. This is a really good question. Uh, cliche here, kept saying here, I use it quite a bit. Uh, they make little things big and big things little. The, the most important things, they, they downplay those things. The things that really don't matter in the scope of all eternity, they make them the biggest things in the world. Out, what, what's that? I'm sorry, I was going to say on the, even the question before, the Pharisees love judgment over mercy. Yeah. We see a lot of people today love judgment over mercy. Yeah. Yes, he does. He does. Uh, they 
we'll have outward piety instead of inward purity. So they have the facade, the, the, the fig leaf of holiness, but on the inside there's really no fruit. There's no inward purity. Here's an interesting one. They honor dead men of God, but despise present men of God. They honor dead men of God. But if those men of God were in their presence doing what they did in the past, they would despise them like they despise the other true men of God who are in the present. They shut up truth-tellers any way they can, whether by killing them, lying about them, uh, maligning them in some way, burning their books, whatever it may be. And last but not least, they are hell-bound. These are Ten Commandments of the hypocritical religion. They're hell-bound. They're on their way to hell. Did God want all of Jerusalem, the Jewish people, to be saved? How do you know that? What was that, Brother John? Yeah, he wept for them. That's right. He said, I, I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Why weren't all of them saved? They were not willing. Not not able, not willing. So what does it tell you about God's sovereignty then? Right? Very good. Not going to force you to do everything. Right? Does it tell you that God always gets what he wants? In fact, most of the time, God does not get what he wants. Most of the time. Every time sin happens, God doesn't get what he wants. Every time a sinner goes to hell... God ultimately does not get what he wants. He wants them, he wanted them to be saved. But his judgment will, will triumph anyway. He still will punish. Okay, let's move on to chapter 24. <clears throat> Are all of Matthew 24 and Luke 21 the same exact discussion? No. What verses would you point to to prove that? Yeah, because some, if somebody who believes in amillennialism or preterism or, or something like that comes to you and says, well, prove to me that Matthew 24 and Luke 21 are not talking about AD 70 altogether. What verses would you point to in Matthew 24 or Luke 21 that would prove that? Matthew 15? 24-15? Okay, that's good. Yep, that's good. Okay. What else? Looking for things that would help you distinguish. Because they, they could possibly say that verse 15 is referring to the guy in Matthew 70. But what, what is, uh, what are some verses that tell you that Jesus, there was a break in the discussion, then he went somewhere else, and then he, and he began a different discussion altogether, and there's different things being answered here. I remember there was a timing issue there. Uh huh. Uh, verse 3 plays a part of Verse 3 of what? Uh, Matthew 24. Uh huh, that's right. It does play a part of it. Right. Now, what does it say in Luke 21 at the very end of the discussion? What does it say there? In verse 37, it says, In the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mount called Olivet. And what I propose to you is, until that point, he had never left the temple. Okay? What about uh, Luke 21, verse 7? The questions he asked there, and then the questions that were asked... In verse 3 of Matthew 24, are they the same? Same questions being asked there either. 
So those are some of the things you can point to. Okay. Right. Right. Which talk means before that he's talking about what? Right. That's right. And then after that he's talking about. That's right. That's right. And you also see other things being discussed. Like what about uh, verse 20? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation is near. Right? That's right. Um, does, uh, at the end, in end times, does Jerusalem get destroyed? No, it doesn't. Who comes back before it gets destroyed? That's right. He stops it from getting destroyed when the armies are surrounding it. So his desolation couldn't be near in the end. So that couldn't be talking about the end times. Well, I guess when you ask that question, I would think that, that Jesus is going to destroy everything. And the New Jerusalem is going to die. That's what people might have when you ask that question. So in light of what I just said, how does Jesus not destroy Jerusalem? Well, it says right here, the armies are around it and his desolation is near. So we're talking about the armies destroying it in Luke 21. Oh, okay. But when the armies are surrounding uh, Jerusalem in the end times, what does Jesus come back and do to those armies? He destroys the armies. Yes, he destroys those armies. <laughs> yeah, of course, he'll renew, refresh the whole earth. Yes, of course. So those are some, re- some ways you can prove that. Uh, does Luke 21 talk about A.D. 70 and the end times? Yes. yes. Okay, what parts talk about each there? What parts talk about the end times? What talk, parts talk about A.D. 70? Brother yeah, Brother Kevin brought up a moment ago. He talked about a little bit of it. That's right, yep. And 25 to 36 as well. Okay. Speak about the end time. So there's a, there's a gap there, and he, Brother Kevin gave the little phrase that before all these things, that's where it starts, talking about AD 70. What about Matthew 24? Does that talk about both? No? doesn't talk about both? What does it talk about? It talks about the end time. That's right. Just about the end. It does not talk about AD 70. Um, what... What are some signs that we are close to the end? Jesus gives many of them. What are some of those signs? This actually may be a, uh, you know, give me three type of question on the test. So you need to know some of these. What are, what are some of the signs of the end times? Right? Now, why is that important, Brother Ron? That someone comes to you and says, Jesus is out in the desert. Why is it important to know that that couldn't possibly be him? Right. So will you need someone to tell you when he comes? Okay. That's very, that's very important because false Christs are going to arise. And people are going to say, he's doing miracles. And they're going to say, wow, he's doing miracles? He must be Jesus. No. The Antichrist will do miracles. And when he splits the sky, no one's going to have to tell you. You're going to know. What are some other things that have to happen before Christ returns? The uh, famines and pestilences and earthquakes. You got, okay. um, uh, uh, 
people starving, people having poverty. Right. Uh, you have uh, diseases uh, running in abundance, mm -hmm. and you have natural disasters happening in frequency. Okay. And, uh, also what What are those things called, Brother Tracy? What are those things called? They're related to women's labor. Right. That's what I was ready to get to. Is uh, verse eight. Because all these things are the beginnings of sorrows. Yeah. And that means birth pains. Yes. That's right. So there's a there's a frequency. It's getting stronger. They're getting closer together. Now all those things are pretty ambiguous. If earthquakes happen, famines happen, sicknesses happen. What are some more specific things that have to happen before Christ returns? Josh. That's right. Love of, love of actually the word there is is most. Let the greater part will grow cold. Stratina. Yes, that's a big one. What is the abomination of desolation? Someone explain that to me. That's right. And what else does he do when he's in the temple? What did he put a stop to? Daily sacrifice, that's right. So Antichrist will stand in the temple of God and declare himself to be God and put a stop to the daily sacrifices. Um. Okay, and, and so if, if that's true, what must happen before that'll happen? There has to be a temple. There has to be a temple. There has to be a priesthood. There has to be all those things in order that to happen. Anything else that has to happen, like maybe like right before Jesus comes back? Two witnesses, that's got to happen, yep. That's about seven years before. They'll do it for about three and a half years, and then three and a half years after they die, he'll come back. Yeah, so the cosmic signs, or you can call them the sixth seal signs. What happens right before Jesus comes back? The seventh trumpet. The final trumpet is blown. And what happens as Jesus is returning? The rapture. So when, when does the rapture happen? Right as Jesus is returning, right? After the after the tribulation. So it's not pre-trib, it's post-trib. What should the saints do uh, when the abomination of desolation happens? Uh, flee to the wilderness. That's right. We are to flee. We are to flee. What is the, uh, well, Josh mentioned this a second ago, what is the influence that makes the love of many grow cold? Lawlessness, abounding more and more and more. Uh, what will Jesus come back like? What's the, what's the word to give for that? Like lightning. Lightning shooting across the sky. Across the sky. From the east to the west. Not from the up to the down. From the east to the west. Across the sky. Uh, what is the, uh, we talked about this quite a bit, what is the Greek word for generation? Genia, that's right. What does it mean? Okay. Right. Right. Anything else? A nation. A nation. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Very good. That's that's a, that's that's probably the one that's referring to here. So when when Jesus says 
that this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. He's saying the people who are living at that point in time, within like a 40-year gap period of time, before they die, all these things will happen? No, that's not what he's saying. Uh, he could be saying that the Jews won't pass away before all these things take place. He could be saying the wicked won't pass away until all these things take place. They'll be around to the end. He could be saying that the godly will not pass away. All those things are true. The Jews are going to be, it has to be a Jews for to have a temple, right? There has to be the wicked to persecute the righteous, and the righteous are not going to perish. They're going to persevere to the end. There's going to be some who will persevere to the end, and who will endure the wrath of the Antichrist. That's right. That's right. For elect's sake, he does return. Can we know the day of Jesus' return? We can? Not now, okay. Not now. Okay. All right. Or if you knew the day that the two witnesses began their began the ministry, if you knew that day, right? Right. Well, the Bible does say they preached for three and a half years, right? So we're assuming that three and a half years after that, that Christ is going to return, right? Okay. So, so how many days after that are they going to return? Is he going to return? Well, you got the three and a half years, and then the, so you have the Antichrist come to power. Then there's another three and a half years. Right. Right, but there's a problem with that, that philosophy there. You can come close, but the, the day that you can get exactly right is when what happens? That the three witnesses, two witnesses, abomination of desolation. How many days after that does it happen? No, 1290. See, that's the problem. See, 1260 is three and a half years, right? Because that's actually 30 days in there. Which Brother Tracy pointed out, I think he's rightly so, that there's an extra month added in there that the Jews add in for the seasons. Okay, so the only way you can know exactly the day of his return is if you count from the abomination of desolation, which we don't know when that's going to happen yet, right? So we can't know now. So when the Bible says, uh, no one knows the day or the hour, the word know there in the Greek is in a certain tense. You remember what the tense is? Not present. Starts with a P, though. Close. It's in the perfect tense, Okay. I'm not going to give you that question on the test just so you know, but it's good to know that. Uh, the, the perfect tense simply means this. It means that in the past and at the present, up to the present time, nobody knows. No one has known in the past, and up to this present time, nobody knows. It does not mean no one can ever know in the future. Okay. Now, if that was in the future tense, then we would have to say no one can ever know. But that would contradict the rest of the Bible, wouldn't it? The 1290 days and the abomination of desolation, all those things. Okay, so that's in the perfect tense there. Who rises first in the resurrection? Dead in Christ. Who rises second? Those who are alive when when he returns. That's right. So that's the first resurrection. Uh, how many resurrections are there? Two. When is the second one going to happen? After a thousand years end... Just a thousand years. There's another period of time there, a short period of time when Satan is released to deceive the nations. He's released at the end of a thousand years. So yes, it does happen at a thousand, but it's also a short period of time that we don't know what that time is. But at the very end, when Satan is destroyed, and the people who are deceived once again, who are left behind for a thousand year reign, that's when Judgment Day is instituted, and the second resurrection happens. Now, who's in the second resurrection? Only sinners? 
Yes, those who died, any, anyone who died during the thousand-year reign, and anyone who died before the thousand-year reign who did not rise in the first resurrection. So this is the rest of the people who's ever lived. Anyone who has not risen in the first resurrection is risen in the second resurrection. Okay? So they'll actually, will there actually be Christians, you know, what we call Christians in the second resurrection? What's that? Yes, there could be. Well, there, I think there will be. It does say whoever's name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast in the lake of fire, so there must be some written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? What does, uh, what does God open on that day? Book of Life? What else? Books. What's contained in those books? Yeah, the works of men. What they have done. Kind of feels a little scary to think about that God's written down everything you've ever done. Every thought. Every word. Who will not be ready when Jesus returns? Who will he come as a thief in the night to? Sinners. Not everybody? No, because we. what are we doing? And waiting and praying. And what are we, what are we looking for? The science he tells us about, right? He wouldn't give them to us. It was worthless. Uh, who do the faithful servant and the evil servant represent in verses 45 through 51? Yeah, as a general rule, it could represent that, but it represents someone more specifically in this situation here. I mean, those those could have, they could apply to that, I think, as a general rule, but I think it's more silly talking about church leaders here. He's bringing forth the fruit. And he's beating the other master. So uh, there's a lot to be talked about there. So there's, a, there's 45 through 51 is talking about the hypocritical leaders and the faithful leaders. Let's go to chapter 25 now. Who are the two groups of virgins, and who do they represent? Why is it a foolish? Okay. Okay. So do do the the foolish virgins were they once Christians at one point in time? Yes, they, they had they had oil at some point in time. So if the oil represents the Holy Spirit, they had some. You see, it says right there. It says, um, uh, "And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out.'" So they had oil. So and and, and we do know what it says uh, in verse twelve. It doesn't say the same thing it says in Matthew seven, where he says, "I never knew." It says, "I do not know you." Different there. Not knowing something and never knowing someone or something completely different. I mean, I've had people in, the, in my past who I've had relationship with that I used to know. But I don't know them anymore. And they don't know me anymore. That's because I've become a Christian. They don't know me anymore. And so they, these people used to know, uh, G, used to know Jesus. So in the parable of the talents, which servants are bold in speaking to the master? Which ones are bold, B-O-L-D, in speaking to the master? The ones who are, what did you say? 
Yeah, the ones who had brought back fruit, right? They, they had reason to be bold before the match. They knew they had done what is right. And we talked about being bold on the day of judgment. Who are those that can be bold on the day of judgment? Those who have done the will of the Father. Those who are longing to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But the ones who, what, what is the, what are the talents represent here in this, this passage? Okay. Well, talents, what you've brought forth from the talent represent your works. But what are talents representing here? Well, no, what, what the talents are, anything God has given you, natural, spiritual gifts, whatever it may be, and we use this word talents, I think, in a proper way in America, is a talent show. We showcase our talents, you know. Uh, obviously, a talent in those days is money, so they're investing money. But whatever God gives you, you are required to use it for his glory, whatever it may be, natural gifts, spiritual gifts. You know, instead of using your athletic ability to make millions of dollars and and be put on display and have highlights of you and have millions of people watch you, you know, maybe use it for God's glory in some way. You know, um, instead of using your intellectual capabilities to get a, a, a PhD behind your name and let everyone glorify you, use it to memorize Scripture as much as you can and teach it to others. So talents in this past represent the whatever God's given you. And the people who are bold are the ones who use their talents for God. And whatever fruit came from it, they brought it before the Lord. It was done for his glory. Who does the sowing and scattering of seed? Well, that's from the parable of sow. We're talking about the parable of talents now. It says uh, in verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard, you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown, and gathering where you had not scattered seed. But that was, that's good. That's good for the parable of the sower. Um, and, and just so you know, on a test, I'm going to be putting chapters there, so you'll kind of know what chapter I'm talking about. I'm going to go in order. Okay, probably have maybe a couple questions per chapter. A couple, three questions per chapter, something like that. You might want to at least watch the reviews. You may want to watch the reviews. I mean, you can watch the reviews for 1 through 7, 8 through 14. They're on right now. The other reviews are not on there. I don't have them up yet, but I don't know if I'm going to get them up before this week is over either. But, uh, but, uh, what's that? I don't know about that. Uh, but it, this is not going to be a thing where I'm going to like take your test and grade you and give you like an F, F minus, you know, put a, put a frowny face on it and, you know, that kind of stuff. But what I'm going to do is we're going to, we're going to take the test and then, um, I'm going to have you grade on yourself. Okay. You're going to grade on yourself. Don't let that thing to shame you or anything like that. This is things to, to make sure you're under, you're taking this stuff in, you're remembering this stuff and you can test yourself to see if you're remembering it properly and not just letting it go in one ear and out the other after Sunday's over with. Okay. So, um, and I'm going to try to make the, the questions as principle doctrinally oriented as possible. Not this American Bible show type stuff where it's like random facts that I'm trying to stump you on, okay? That's not the point of, the, of this test. The point is to get these things in your head and to get you to remember these things, to remind you of these things. And so, you know, I, I could ask some random question like, you know, how many kings did Joshua kill? You know, like they do on the American Bible show, but I'm not going to do that, okay? So these are going to be as principle-oriented. So these are things that have been, you know, beat into your head week in and week out as we've gone through Matthew, so...
shouldn't be too hard for you to remember unless you just weren't paying attention or didn't take any notes. Okay. Or you weren't here. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's a good excuse, except you can go back and watch the video afterwards. Um, okay, so, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so, okay, so let's, let's go back to the, this, uh, passage here in 25, 31 through 46. Who are the sheep and the goats in this passage? Okay, so they all at one point were Christians. Okay. Who are the goats? They are sinners, but what were they once at one point in time? Okay, they were Christians at one point in time. Okay, so you have to, you have to, because lots of people think the sheep and goats here are people who were always Christians, the sheep, and the people who are never Christians, the goats. How would you prove them that prove that wrong to them by this passage? Tell me one verse you would prove them wrong by. All right, that's good. That's right. They both call him Lord. So he, they they think they're Christians. Um, when is this? When is this this thing happening? When is this taking place? Because if, if it's separating the sheep and the goats, the only judgment where there's sheep and goats, if it's talking about believers who are always believers and unbelievers who are always unbelievers, is what judgment? Final judgment. But when does this happen? Look at the beginning. When does this happen? It happened after a thousand years later after he returns? It happens when he comes back. Yeah, so that's when it happens. So there's those who, who think they're Christians, but they're not. So does this passage, Matthew 25, 31 through 46, does, it, does, this, does this say proof text to use to promote prison ministry to unbelievers? Is it a proof text to use to promote homeless ministry to unbelievers? Or how about a soup kitchen to unbelievers? But this is used for that a lot of times. Okay? Now, are those things wrong to do? Could you, could God call you to do that? He could. So what is it, what is the overall arching principle of what Christ is trying to exhort believers to do in this passage? Yeah, love your brethren. First John talks about this. By this you shall know you are from God, that you love the brethren. How can you say you love God whom you don't see, but you don't love your brother who's right in front of you? Who has daily needs. You say, be warm and well fed and pat him on the back and send him away empty handed. How wicked that would be. You know, if one, one of us didn't have something, I would, I would assume that the rest of us would rise up and take care of them if they could. And those who don't do that, what will happen to them? Everlasting lake of fire. Because you don't have the love of the brethren, which proves you're not of God. So this passage is not saying if you don't have a prison ministry, a homeless ministry, and a soup kitchen, you're, you're, you're going to hell. It's not what it's saying. Now, what, what verse 46 here, how is that a good uh, verse to use to prove that hell is forever and ever? Why is that? Mm-hmm. 
Right, so if, if punishment isn't everlasting, what else is not everlasting? There's your problem right there. Okay, Matthew 26. What feast was Jesus betrayed after celebrating it with his disciples? Passover, very good. Why did the Jewish leaders pr- plot to take Jesus by trickery? He's blameless. Yeah, they couldn't find anything against him. Now, we have, we're not going to get to the trial just, just yet, but what, well, since we're already on this, what happened at the trial? I proved that even further. And did they even collaborate together? Yeah, so even then they had problems. How, this is kind of a random question here. Maybe you'll see if you can remember this or not. This won't be on the test. How much was the oil and flask worth that was poured on Jesus in modern day monetary value? Sarah? There you go. 19000 Maybe that'll be a bonus question on the test. $19,200. So, so how long... So, so I figured that out because it was, it was worth 300 denarii, which is a, a year's worth of a common laborer's wages... Okay, and I took the common labor about eight dollars an hour, and figured out over a year working forty hours a week, it was nineteen thousand two hundred dollars. How long would it take to someone who's making eight dollars an hour to save nineteen thousand two hundred dollars? I figured out to be about ten years, if you really pinched your pennies. So this this lady could have just taken ten years of her life and poured it out on Jesus. Amazing. And people still, you know, Judah still criticized her. So the rest of the apostles as well. Amen. With everything. With your money. Why was it poured in him by the woman? For his burial. Very good. Who betrayed Jesus? Right. Judas Iscariot. How much was he paid? By who? Yeah, religious leaders. Uh, where did they eat the Passover? Upper room. Upper room? And who led them there? And why was that unusual? That's right. A man wouldn't do that in those days. Yeah, so... And when they found... When they went to upper room, how did they find it? Prepared, right? Just as Jesus said it would be. And that, that kind of goes against the doctrine of open theism, doesn't it? Okay, um, what originally, going back to the Old Testament now, what originally began the Passover? The tenth plague. And what happened during the tenth plague, brother? Huh? Right, and how did you escape that judgment? And how does that, how does Jesus fulfill that? Right, that's right. Very good. Um, what did Jesus begin or institute at this meal that we celebrate every Sunday? Communion. Yes, communion. Now, in the Passover, we we talked about the Passover. We talked about that that pouch. How many how many spots were in that? How many compartments were in that pouch? Three. And what was in the the middle compartment? Well, the bread that was going to be broken, right? And what is that symbolic of? That's right. Now, this doesn't say this in the scripture. We talked about Jewish tradition with this. What was done with that piece of bread? Hidden. Not for three days. Wasn't hidden for three days. Hidden for a short period of time. And then what happened? 
had a child go and find it. That's right. So what, is, what do you think that's symbolic of? Child looking to faith, but what the hiding and go, bringing it back? That's the resurrection, right? Yeah, you have to seek after it. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, who denied Jesus three times? What happened after the third time? Rooster crowed. That's what I'm looking for here. Rooster crowed. Um, how did uh, how did Jesus sweat? Or what did he sweat? Blood. Blood. That's right. Who was supposed to be praying with Jesus? Peter, James, and John. Very good, Daniel. And, and what were they doing instead? Yes. Yes, they were. What was Peter's reaction to Jesus' arrest? Cut off that servant's ear. What was Jesus' reaction to that? Put away your sword and heal the dude's ear. That's right. <laughs> uh what did Judas betray Jesus with? That's right. So is is kissing someone always loving? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, what did Jesus claim to be that he was accused of blasphemy? Yeah. So what, what was his what was his crime he was indicted for? Telling the truth. That's right. His, his, his crime was telling the truth. Uh, that's a crime when you're in wicked men. That's right. Who looked at Peter after he denied Christ a third time? Jesus. How did Peter respond? That's right, he went bitterly. Okay, chapter 27. We're in the home stretch here. How did Judas kill himself? And then what happened? He fell in his guts, birth, verse 4, right? Um, what kind of sorrow did Judas have? How do you know that? didn't repent, right? Yeah, he didn't repent. Uh, what did what did Judas do with the money he was given? And what was purchased with that? Yeah, the field where he died. Right, the field where he killed himself. Did Judas have correct doctrine concerning Jesus? Yes, he did. And he killed himself anyway. What does that tell you? tells you that having correct doctrine doesn't save your life. It can. It should affect you. It should impact you. And it does impact you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're true. You're following Jesus Christ. What governor did you just stand before? Pilate. Pontius Pilate. And what was the custom during that feast that Pilate had? Release one free. That's right. Um... And who did they release free? Barabbas. Okay. And what is that symbolic of? Yeah. Where are the wicked criminals? Of course, we don't. You can only take us so far. We don't deserve just a cross here. You know, we, we, people sing songs and say, "We what you just did, we deserve." No, we deserve much worse. Much worse. Um, let's see here. Who had a dream about Jesus? Right. What was her name? Doesn't say. <laughs> I didn't even have that written on the card. You kind of thought about it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, what did she do with that dream? 
Have not, she warned him. Have nothing to do with that man. Okay. What kind of weapon was used to scourge Jesus? And describe that for me. Bones, glass, metal balls, right? Okay, you can imagine a really big BB that's metal on there. Um, there's a cat of nine tails. What does that mean? Like, what? Is it, is it just one little strand coming off the end of it, or nine of them? Okay. And what? What does that? What does that kind of weapon do to somebody? Rips their flesh, deep bruises, right? Even to the point of exposing bones, expo- exposing organs. So how bad it was. Um. What did the soldiers do to mock Jesus? There's many things they did, but give me some things they did. Purple robot? Beat him on the head. What did you say? Prophesy. Yeah, they said prophesy to us. Who, who are you? After they, what did they do to him, though, before they did that? They put a blindfold on That's what I'm looking for. They put a crown of, what did you say? Crown of thorns on his head. Very good. Yeah, those are all good answers. Who carried the cross for Jesus? Simon. Simon of Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene, that's right. Did he carry it the whole way? Okay, so this part of the way. Uh, what did the Roman soldiers do with Jesus' clues? Divided them, and then what did they cast lots for? And what was unique about that, Brother Mark? Mm-hmm. Seamless. It's like a high priest would wear uh, who would Jesus crucify between? What did they do to him? Ah, I just think Jenna got it. What did you say, Jenna? They both mocked him. And then one repented. Very good. It's good to have that chronology down. Uh, what was written above Jesus' head? In what languages? That's right. That's right. When the Bible says the sixth hour and the ninth hour, what time does that mean for us? What two times does it mean for us? Noon and 3 p.m. So you're just adding to 6 a.m. to get the right hour. Okay. Um, why did Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And where is that quoted from? In verse 1, which is a messianic psalm. So he's, he's bringing us back to that psalm. So he, he, when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me for the cross? Was it because Jesus was separated from the Father? No. Because Jesus was sinful? No. I mean, he had the sin of the world upon his back, right? Doesn't that make him sinful? No. Okay. What happened to the veil of the temple? From the top to the bottom. What does that mean? The fact that it's ripped from the top, what does that mean? Only God could do that. Right, right. And so that meant you have entrance into the Holy of Holies, which is where where God's presence is, right? It also marks the end of the Old Covenant. Yeah, the beginning of the New Covenant, that's right. What weird, random thing happened when Jesus died and there was an earthquake? Uh-huh, and? Uh-huh, what did? Saints? What saints? Ah, we don't know. This says saints. We don't know what saints rose. We don't know who rose. Did they, did they rise from 
from Hades. I mean, if, if it was Abraham and Adam and, you know, Moses rising, I mean, did they have, like, digital cameras back then that had pictures of them? So how, how would they have even known it was them? So it probably was people who were from that period of time, like Brother Vaughn was saying, because otherwise you wouldn't have known who it was. Just these random people. Now, did these people, after they rose from dead and testified, did they go to heaven? Doesn't say that, does it? People take this. I had a guy recently, he posted on one of my videos, just saying that, you know, trying to defeat this doctrine of Hades, this temporary abode of the dead, that uh, this this defeats that. But it never says any of those things in there. They're reading things into that in order to defeat a doctrine that's that's clearly uh, described in the Bible. Uh, Okay. Let's see. Which two men buried Jesus? That's it. Nicodemus, Joseph, right there. You guys said it. You said it. Uh, and what kind of tomb was he buried in? A new rich man's tomb. That's right. That's right. Uh, what day of the week did Jesus die? Nope. Friday. Okay. What day did he rise again? Sunday. Wait a minute now. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's only two days. How do you, how do you reconcile that? Yes, you have to use inclusive reckoning. So any part of any day, it, it counts as a day. So he dies before sunset on Friday, and then you have Saturday. and it, So Friday counts, and then you have all day Saturday, and then Sunday he rises early in the morning. So you have all those. That's how you, you reconcile the three days and three night thing. Okay, um, Matthew 28. Who rolled the stone away from the tomb? That's right. How many angels were at the tomb? Who saw Jesus resurrected first? Second? Nope. Ladies walking back. Third? Emmaus. Okay, so they're third. Fourth? Peter. Fifth? Which ones? Okay, that's fifth. Sixth? And with time, that's right. Very good. Uh, what did the soldiers lie about the resurrection for? Money, a large sum of money, yeah, and protection. That's right, a large sum of money and protection. All of them? Did all of them do this? No, it was only some of them. It says. What was the lie? Very true. Someone tell me what the Great Commission is. Okay. That's part of it. Matthew 20 doesn't mention that part, but what's the rest of it? Baptizing in his name, and what was the last part, brother? All things. Okay. So we're going to all nations, discipling all men, teaching them all all things until when? To the end of the age. Right. Okay. So how much of what Jesus taught can or should we teach to others? Okay. And what doctrine is refuted by that? Remember the name of that doctrine? 
antinomian dispensationalism, which says that the words of Jesus don't count. They're only for the Jewish people. The book of Hebrews, the book of James, the book of 1 John, you know, 1 first, Second first, Peter, Jude, none of these count because they're, they're for Jewish people only. But Jesus said, you go into all the nations, teaching them all things I've commanded you until the end of the age. So it refutes this doctrine of antinomian dispensationalism. Okay. Well, we're finished with Matthew. Praise the Lord, we made it. So, test will be next week. And, and then afterwards, afterwards we'll, we'll grade them. And uh, you can keep it for yourself to review and to look over and you know examine yourself about you know whether you're retaining these things or not. And that'll be it. Does anyone have any questions about anything? Anything about Matthew at all? <laughs>